Kia ora koutou. welcome to the panel, RNZ National, Simon Wilson and Cindy Mishner with me today and thank you for your road cone stories, lots coming in, needless to say, more on that later on in the programme. Anyway, first up, students from across the country hit the streets for the first school strike for climate in 18 months this afternoon, the protests are a call to action. For politicians demanding they prioritise the climate crisis when it comes to decision-making. But the students also have the backing of some heavy hitters, and that includes the largest education trade union in the country. NZEI Te Rio Roa President Liam Rutherford joins us. Kia ora, Liam. Kia ora, Wallace. Where does the NZEI stand on this? Oh, we stand in solidarity uh, with the young people that are getting out here um, playing their part in making sure that we're getting uh, solutions to climate change uh, addressed. And and so why are you coming out to support this student strike? Well, uh, the types of things they are talking about um, align very much with our union, but uh, as an education union uh, representing um, support staff, teachers and principals, I mean, it's fantastic to see uh, young people out there um, um, engage um, authentically in issues that relate to them. I mean, uh, these are the kind of uh, learning experiences that we want children to be having. Liam, uh, what have some of the schools said, though? I mean, has it been an issue for some schools taking time out of school uh, to protest? I know that's been an issue in previous school strikes for climate. Uh, I think what we're seeing is uh, is um, the students in particular uh, are really proactive in talking to their schools around um, why it is that they are going out. And so uh, there is that kind of uh, mature negotiation that goes on. Uh, but most teachers um, I talk to uh, are right behind me. These are young people wanting to get out there and, and affecting change. And um, we know that a big part of the role of education is around people becoming good citizens. And it looks like these kids are out there role modelling it. Cindy, would you support your son or daughter taking time out of school to head to a protest such as this? Absolutely. I mean, it is, I believe, um, educational. It's an experience. It's almost a a rite of passage (laughs) that as you're growing up, you become engaged and committed and concerned about issues. And, you know, to be In your own time, though, right? But in your own time. Oh, no, everybody wagged school to go and do things that they were committed to, um, you know, trying to have some effect on. And I think it's great, Liam, that the NZEI and the schools are supporting it because it is just too narrow-minded to not support it. I think that the kids of today would grow and learn from the experience and the fact that they are engaged... Is is a really good thing, Liam. Oh, um, I couldn't agree more, Cindy. I think it is absolutely spot on. I mean, the purpose behind a strike um, is to cause a level of disruption, uh, and so the fact that it is cutting into learning time, um, I think, I think, um, I think is something something that um, is part and parcel. And I mean, these are the experiences that we do want young people to be having. 
How about you? What's your take on this? Oh, I, I completely agree with this. I, I think uh, this comes in the context that we, we know now the way our political system works is that political parties, the main ones, seek the middle vote and look closely at what they think people in the middle range of views are, are thinking. And that means it becomes particularly important if you're concerned about uh, the climate crisis uh, to have ways in which there is popular expressions of we want more from the kids, from the, from the union. And we're going to hear about the mood of the boardroom uh, shortly yeah. and, and James Shaw was the top rating minister mm. uh, among business leaders and I think that's, that's, an, interesting, ex- isn't it? that's an extraordinary that. thing that he is up there um, you know the more vocal and the more voices and the, and the louder they are and the um, the, the better it will be, the more likely we will be to have a, have a government, whoever forms it, uh, who is listening and taking action. Taking uh, climate change uh, seriously. Uh, what, what Actually, what is interesting, Liam, is there, uh, is there some sort of subtle change because it was an issue uh, last time round, 18 months ago. Um, some of the schools did say, look, they don't really sort of condone. Some kids say they'd been issued detentions in the past for skipping school to attend the strikes. What, what seems to me now is that actually... Um, quite a few principles are actually for and do see it as part of, <laughs> if you like, the curriculum. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, the number of schools that are turning this into a bit of a fuss, I think, are definitely in the minority. I mean, um, the School Strike for Climate movement is playing a really important role of normalising this conversation of dealing with climate change. Uh, and they're coming from a place where they've felt let down by adults in power. Uh, who aren't um, focusing on the urgent issues of climate change as quickly as they should be. And I think the other thing, Liam, about this is that we can't assume that the kids are going to do it. You know, it's the world that we're giving them. Yeah, but we can't just say, well, you're going to fix it so we don't need to worry. Uh, they're calling on adults to take some responsibility here and, and we have to respond to that. Yeah, that's right. And I think young people um, want to be able to grow up in a world where they've got some certainty around uh, the types of jobs that they're going to have in front of them. Uh, and if we don't get climate change um, under control, then we are handing them a pretty uncertain uh, future, and that can be really nerve-wracking for them. Yeah. All right, Liam Kiora. Thank you very much. That's uh, Liam Rutherford there uh, from the uh, NZEI, the largest education trade union in New Zealand. They're behind it. They support, they stand in solidarity with the students there. That happened to go. Someone's saying here they, there are about 2,000 people in Wellington, the, 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 not, not the hundreds that was uh, reported. Um, did you... Did you I don't want to say the word wag. Did you take time yep. off school to protest? <laughs> what did you protest about, Simon, in your day? In my day, uh, we I was at school, at high school, uh, during the uh, later days of the Vietnam War uh, oh. and, and uh, Springbok Tour. Uh, that were the two big issues. Um, and yes, there were some daytime protests that um, I right. confess I did wag for, and so did many of my uh, friends. And was uh, it an issue for the school or your parents? Um, one of the they my favourite. Well, well, one of my <laughs> my favourite moments was the our, our form teacher telling us, um, "I'm going to be writing on the blackboard now for about five minutes, if you know what I mean," and turned his back to us and did that. And uh, I imagine when no. he turned around, there weren't many people left. Uh, yeah, what so, a story, yeah. Cindy. I was lucky. I went to a school that where that happened. <laughs> Cindy. Simon and I. Simon and I must be about the same age because. I marched uh, against apartheid and the 
Vietnam War, uh, serious disagreements with my uh, right-wing parents. So, I mean, I didn't bother to inform them that I'd be doing that. Or, you didn't, you didn't uh, even inform your parents? What, and you, what, you're 16, you, you, just, you just, let, what did you do? You just... No, you just, you just go, you know. And, I mean, that's the same as the kids. It's something that you feel passionate about, you're committed to it, you're not going to say, you know, to your father who thought the rugby tour should go ahead, you know. But how, you know, how irresponsible of you, you didn't even tell your parents. I mean, that was a safety <laughs> issue. <laughs> no. Oh, t- t- Listen, that teenagers, have you met any teenagers, Wallace? <laughs> Cindy's <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite right too. It, it wasn't just Springbok tour. It was um, years and years of that anti-apartheid movement went right through the seventies. Yeah, there okay. were different tours going here, going there. Yeah, one was cancelled, of course. And, and that's good to note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's interesting a, to note. Very big social movement yeah. that built up. It is uh, 16 past for the panel. By the way, we will actually get to some of the road cone feedback. There has been so much of it, and not just in Tomiki Makoto. <laughs> you started something there, Simon. Yeah, sorry you about and, that. You and your blimmin' road cones. Anyway, uh, this is interesting. The mood of the boardroom, more than 100 chief executives rate government ministers' comprehensive range of opinions in this snapshot of what the top chief executives uh, think on where we're heading, and both Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and Finance Minister plummeted in the rankings. Ardern has been ejected from the Cabinet Top 10, coming in at 12th place. Anne Robertson, he's been replaced as Top Cabinet Performer this year by Climate Change Minister James Shaw. David Seymour, he's been rated very highly. His performance and policy seen as impressive. A grab bag of other issues canvassed. CEOs were divided on the issue of increased go co-governance. 37% supported it. 22% of CEOs only uh, agreed that it was the right thing for the government to buy back Kiwi Bank. And 53% said the supermarket shake-up won't make prices more affordable. So... Quite a range of uh, 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 issues there, and the person who puts it all together is the mood of the boardroom editor, Fran O'Sullivan. Kia ora, Fran. Good afternoon. Let's, let's talk to Jacinda Ardern first. So while still some still view her as a rock star prime minister on the global stage, you know, one of the prime ministers singled out for an image in Vogue, for example, at the Queen's funeral, here at home, not all is well. Oh, well, for some, um, they do think she, um, you know, that, that point about her doing well on the international stage is actually also to the advantage of New Zealand business. She opened stores, she has led some quite successful trade missions, and she's been there and been able to lever out the end, for instance, of the European FTA negotiations. So when you actually break it down, you're talking about a weighted average of a performance on indicators, but you break it down and there's areas she does well on and there's areas she's not rated well on and something for both uh, herself and also Grant Robertson, uh, who generally is well regarded on the whole. Uh, but, um, you know, the relationships with business over the last uh, year or two have not been great and they have um, not listened, for instance, to business people when it came to uh, acquiring rat tests, um, you know, being able to move on um, with their uh, people and get the doors open and all the rest of it. And so, yes, there's tension right. that has built up and there is also a sense of some of the uh, broader uh, initiatives that the government's done have not come off well and I think there is a general sense that um, they would like 
governments to succeed and to succeed in what they do, be it major reforms, to actually get them done and to prioritise. So, you know, it's where it is. Uh, they regarded right. it very highly back in 2020, um, you know, over that initial response uh, to uh, COVID, as they did indeed Grant Robertson. I'll bring our panellists very, very shortly, but uh, if I was to read it, and I sort of read the, uh, the, the insert uh, this morning, uh, there was this overall feeling from chief, chief executives that there was failure by the government to appropriately deliver on electoral promises. Here's one, for example, main phrase, Don Braid. There's a lack of direction and sure-footed policy to combat the failings around health, education, housing and crime. Is that the general tenor or the theme? Yeah, for a large number of people. And I think that's reflected in the fact that um, a lot of those promises haven't been delivered on. Uh, if you look at what's happened, for instance, in the Polytech merger, that's been an absolute disaster. Housing is now getting going, but uh, it's took a very long time to get there. And essentially, there's a lot of complexity in the system, and the bureaucracy is not delivered in the way you would have expected. And, you know, I talked to Grant Robertson a lot, and um, he, w- he would have known the rough uh, tenor of the questions that are being put to it. And in some cases, both um, he will come to me as indeed will the um, opposition person and, and ask to get a particular read on a, a issue. And for instance, one of the things when I talked to him uh, some months ago in the process of putting the survey together is where are businesses on uh, you know, getting together for the major changes coming up on climate change? Do they know their emissions numbers, for instance? That, that type of thing. And, and what well, as you heard, James yeah. Shaw is top. Yeah, yeah, and um, he has, and he, interestingly, like this morning at the mood of the boardroom breakfast, I mean, he has acknowledged also by Nicola Willis as having forged a consensus um, across the House uh, with uh, both National and uh, Labour on some key issues that need to be delivered on. And so, yeah. Yeah, he is top this year. Mind you, the overall ratings are well down. Yeah. Simon, do you want to start on this? Uh, Let's go to Sydney. Uh, Kia ora, Fran. Um, Simon Wilson here. Um, I was curious to note that the the mood of the boardroom did seem to suggest that the government wasn't doing enough on climate change, wasn't doing enough on poverty, uh, didn't have enough of a transformational uh, program in place. Those were some of the key things they appeared to be criticising the government for. And I would imagine that the government would say, well, we're worried about whether we can take business with us doing those things. I wonder if you can just talk us through um, that apparent contradiction, particularly because the business leaders also said uh, they were worried about wages and fair pay. Um, Do they want uh, people to be lifted out of poverty or not? Well, I I, I think that's um, pretty facetious, uh, Simon. Well, is it? Well, yes, it's, just a, it's just a fair question, isn't it, Fran, honestly? Is it really? Um, what, are they no, asking, what are they asking for? Well, Simon, um, it's, a, it's kind of a, a rating across things. I mean, those comments about wanting to see poverty addressed, uh, that's, I think there were quite a number of on-the-record comments about that in the survey. And people are concerned about where we've ended up. Uh, when it comes to wage uh, increases, that is an issue. But they're also um, saying, um, you know, how do you address, um, you know, major issues when you can't actually get people as well to work? And you look at a range of smaller businesses in particular who are also represented in an associated survey, which is done at the same time. 
And um, it's a pressure point for them because people uh, cannot get people to work. Now, this may uh, change. It may be transitory, and certainly this morning um, they were hoping it to be so. I guess to frame my question is, do, if the business leaders are concerned about poverty, do they believe that a higher wage economy is, should be part of a strategy to address poverty? I think they believe that a higher skilled uh, economy, which would attract higher wages for people, should very much be part okay. of it. Cindy. Yeah. Uh, so look, they're not friend. all the same. I mean, let's be real about it. I mean, not, it's not everyone has different views within it. But I think, um, you know, you, you wouldn't have seen too much resistance on the wages front. But it's still an issue, um, you know, you can go ahead and and you look at the survey, you'll see people plan to increase wages. So, I mean, but it's still, an, you know, and it's not the highest issue, but it's an impulse. In okay, Cindy Michener. So, hi, Fran. Uh, were they all CEOs of private? Private companies was there not for profits or state sectors included in the um, cohort? Yeah, there's a range of um, CEOs from the public sector. Uh, they never put their name uh, publicly, of course. But um, yeah, a, a range of um, big public sector departments are there, and also not so not so much not for profits. No, it's more <laughs> corporate. Frank, so, we- so don't you think it's ironic? that James Shaw had to fight for his job, or, well, he didn't actually fight because no one else stood up, but he had to go through that process, um, and, and yet he's, he is seen via this survey as the best performing, and yet his own party didn't immediately endorse him. Isn't, isn't yeah. that a little bit odd? Well, I think, you know, you've got to look at the nature of the rest of the party, and it's maybe that if you look at his background, he actually comes out of corporate... Uh, himself yeah. delivering yeah. you know, in a professional firm in this area. So he is, um, you know, he has actually worked well with um, various members of the um, sectors involved. And, you know, they, a lot of people are involved with things like the Aotearoa Circle, they're involved with the Climate Action Leaders Group, and they're pretty much um, working hard in this area to create consensus. Yeah. Fran, I've, I've, I've got to ask you. Issue. Yeah. I've got to ask you, Fran, look, you know, we've just come out of, you know, two and a half years, the likes of which no oh. other New Zealand government has ever grappled, grappled with. Is there not, and should there not be more acknowledgement of that? Can the CEOs do nothing more than just shrug their shoulders? I mean, let's face it, Fran, the economy's not tanking. We've avoided a recession, 1.7% quarterly growth. What's the issue? I don't understand you. It's a pretty easy question. You know, we have a government that has done um, something that no other government has done, got through a major global pandemic, and reading the mood of the boredom, I didn't see that really acknowledged, and I read it all. Uh, Well, what's actually happened, if you look at it, is, um, for instance, COVID has very quickly disappeared as a concern. It's not rated at all as a concern by... Uh, you know, chief executives either domestically or internationally now. But there are a range of other issues which are important. What's happening internationally, uh, for instance, uh, inflation, a whole range of things. We're talking about a mood here, and the survey is not just purely about the government, I have to say. Sure thing. Um, Yeah, you know. Fran, kia ora. It's lovely to have you on the programme. 
Thank you very much. That's yeah. Fran O'Sullivan there, the mood of the boardroom editor. Uh, I am with Simon Wilson and Cindy Mitchner this afternoon. Now, this is lovely. Alex Hanna, a singing teacher and retail worker living in Mapua out of Nelson, with a baby on the way, realised he needed to change careers. But the change was quite a tack, and in the process, he became a bit of an Instagram hit. Alex Hanna, singer, builder, minister. Kia ora. How are you going? Good, thank you. So you're going from teaching and singing private lessons to up on a ladder with a nail gun. How did that yeah. happen? Yeah, it's, um, I guess it's quite a change, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I was having a casual conversation over dinner with my brother-in-law, who was a builder and um, ran his own company. I jokingly said to him, I was like, oh, you could do with an apprentice on site, couldn't you? And... Yeah, I think about three months after that, I was buying a penny to go to work. Um, yeah, I'd done three years labouring for my dad when I yeah. left high school. And yeah, that I didn't want to be there, but I did learn a lot. Um, like I said in that article, I got uh, fired by my dad a lot. <laughs> Until the next morning. Until, <laughs> Until the next morning, yeah. Cindy, it's a wonderful example eh, of uh, the fact that you can always open your mind to new ventures, no, ma- no matter how odd it might be. You go from singing, next minute, you're a builder. <laughs> Look, Alex, I think it is sensational, and I think you're incredibly brave. A lot of people might sit there and think, oh, I've got to do something, I need to do a change. But change is hard. You know, you've got to feel brave and ready to just jump in, and you did. And I particularly like the entrepreneurial flair that you brought to it with your sponsorships and everything. So you haven't just made a life change. Now with your communications, etc., you are growing and developing in so many new ways. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, stay there, Alex. We've got Simon as well. I was just going to say, Alex, that I think what you've done is, is just fantastic. Um, I also think that. But but um, it's, it's part of a much bigger thing, isn't it? There's, there's a global phenomenon, the Great Reset and the Great Resignation and all that. This yeah. is now a terrific time for everybody to go, I don't really like my job enough or it's not really right for me. Yeah, there's something I'd rather be doing with my life and I think mm. I can work out how to make money doing it. So I'm going to. And this is this is the time to do it. So you, you, you're a pathfinder, mate. Yeah, and Alex, you also take tasks, because you, you bring in other issues, don't you? And you because you got, I think you've got about 15,000 followers on Instagram now. You take the task issues like machismo that you see on construction sites as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if, if you've been in the trade industry probably for six months, you would know, well, you don't even need to be in it to know there's a... Uh, type of tradie right. <laughs> and um, and yeah I, I just think that there is so much potential to change the the way that we all are treated on site the this equality thing um, with women in trades with apprentices the way they're treated on site um, being these stubborn doors that don't like to open and talk about what's going on uh, so yeah I just like to bring a different side of that on my social media and just always say that I'm available but I think that that's kind of the frustrating part because you can only say you're there so many times right it's up to the person that's got to be willing to open up and reach out good on you mate and well done lovely to have you on the radio oh, appreciate it
That's Alexander, their singer, builder, and uh, minister. But uh, fair point there, eh? What a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just fantastic. And and let's let's all deal with this, what did he say, this equality thing. Yeah, (laughs) building homes and delivering a message while he's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yeah, you're on the panel, RNZ National, Cindy Michener and Simon Wilson with me this afternoon. Lovely to have you company. Very, very soon we have Power Ballad Friday, but for now it's headlines.